Are you ready? <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, it's Albert Joseph Catanzaro featuring cameraman Cameron, aka if you're Hunter Lawrence, Bushy. Oh, We're yeah. here. We're back with another episode coming in hot and heavy with Moto Academy podcast. This is the best podcast in the world. Oh, sorry. It's the best podcast in motocross. Yes. But it's also the best podcast in the world. So subscribe, I guess. I don't know how you listen to it. I can't hear myself talking because my headphones are noise canceling and I can mm. hear Cam nicely, That's but great. I can't hear myself. So if I sound annoying, let me know. This should be, oh, shoot. Yeah, we probably have about eight to 10 podcasts to go until <laughs> I actually have a studio in place. So unfortunately for you guys, you're going to have to deal with this location. We're still at the beach condo. I think it looks okay. Cameraman mm -hmm. Cam just said my lighting was horrible. Well, Hopefully I yeah. sound okay because we're just going through this mic. D did it seem to sound all right in the other ones that you've yeah, they're put fine. out since I've been doing this? They're fine. You're missing a little bit of body, but you're fine, you know? Okay. It's fine. It's all, as long it's all as, it, is it better or worse than Ford Mustangs and Chevy Camaros driving by every eight to 10 seconds. So we actually got a funny comment on one of the podcast clips the other day talking about he, he was like, Hey, I was just driving, listening to you guys. And I thought somebody was pulling me over. <laughs> it's because of the yeah. background noise in Tampa. RIP to all the background noise. It's now pretty quiet here. I'm going to be honest. It is pretty quiet. I just had my first two hour session at flight school. Didn't mm. go up in the air today. It's probably good. But probably good because it was thunder and lightning and pouring rain. So we couldn't go up if we wanted to. We handled a bunch of the preliminary stuff. We got all the paperwork done. I go back Thursday, probably right around the time this comes out. I'll be going up in the air for the first time. So if anybody listening to this podcast is a pilot and you have any recommendations for me, let me know. I know a few people inside Moto Academy reached out and said if I need any help to let them know. As I get further in the process, I need to figure out which plane I'm going to be buying. Yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff I have to figure out. I need to figure out also if I need to get IFR rated instead of VFR or, or sorry, in addition to VFR. And if I need to go beyond private pilot's license or not. The goal here is that I wanna have facilities kind of up and down the East Coast, seven hour drive or so apart from each other to where I could just fly to them in less than an hour and bring three to five people with me. So. The plane I'm learning in is a Cessna 172. That wouldn't be big enough to carry the people that I need to carry. So I just have to figure out what plane I'm going to buy. But this is even if I like it, I haven't gone up in the air yet. I'll report back on Thursday when I get in the air. I have vertigo, so I might get up in the air, throw up immediately, and have to go back down. We don't know yet. That'd be a bummer. That'd be a bummer. That would be a bummer because I've already invested a lot of money into this thing. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, James so randomly we'll see brought how that, that up in the group chat the other day. He's like, what about your vertigo? And everyone was like, hmm, good point. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I didn't mm. mention it to them. I should be fine. I should be fine. 
You and I are ver wearing virtually the same shirt right now, in case you... It looks a... like you have my shirt on, but inside out. <laughs> There's a lot to talk about when it comes to Supercross on Saturday in Atlanta, but is there anything I can talk about before then? Dude, did you hear what James Stewart was saying during the LCQ? No, what? It was hilarious. It was hilarious. We can jump right into it and, and watch it. <laughs> or we can start from the beginning. <laughs> no, let's go backwards here. What? Let's watch it now, and then we'll go from the beginning. Okay. After. So nobody wants to go in chronological order. No, this was the, what okay. Do we think so this, this is this was probably the best part of the race weekend. Was James Stewart talking about your last lap? Um, in the LCQ. my last lap. Yeah. Don't forget, you made the pass for fourth in the last corner. That's kind of a good TV talk, you know? Uh, you want to watch a little bit? Did they show me a lot? I thought I watched it, but, it, but to be quite honest, I don't remember any of it. So this will be interesting to watch back. Yeah, dude. So 35 seconds left. I had one of those moments with Hunter where he landed off this step up before the double on the gas and didn't let off until he was off the face of the double. It was wildly impressive. All right. Yeah. Uh, you just got to listen to James here. It's just it's just awesome. Because like it's just great. We'll we'll break it down. Here we go. And looks like he cross-rutted, but that was a nice save. Oh, he's going to send it people. Oh, oh, I told yeah, you. Man. Yeah, he did I, it for him. Hey, you were going down, my man. I'm the hate to tell you you were going to go down there or you were going down um Checkered yeah, flag is. is out for Cody Shock. He is in. Park joins him. Linville Catanzaro. Isn't that just amazing? So, like, the whole last lap, right? It was, so, you were in fifth. Like, I forget when you got in fifth. I, I'm i pretty sure, like, I don't, I didn't tell the you this. The whole time. I didn't I'm pretty tell sure you. I was in fifth the whole time. Well, I didn't tell you this, but I was talking to Tony, who was hanging out all weekend, and I was like, I was like, here's my, I was like, if we get a top seven start, we made it. Like, right from the first quarter, we're in. If you get a top seven start. And you came that's out. That's what you were thinking before the gate dropped? Yeah, that's what I told Tony. And you came out sixth. I was like, sweet. We got it. And just like walk me through those laps. I forget who are you. Who are you riding against? Uh, Munoz, I think. Muno, Munoz, M however you say Munoz, it. Munoz. And M Linville was okay. the one on the Honda right in front with a three digit number. Just watching the body language difference. Like Munoz was like, I just remember it was, this, it was the double after the finish line. Munoz is upside down scrubbing <laughs> and you're dead vertical in the air. <laughs> just like <laughs> right now, like looking at him, like what's happening. <laughs> Dave Drakes comes up, up to me after the race. He goes, man, that's, he just scrubbed hard right by you. He goes, that was embarrassing. <laughs> you just, uh, because I, okay. So here's my mindset. We'll go right to the start. I suppose I got a really good start. I let off early. Oopsie daisy, let off early. The first turn the whole day was really super slippery and all they kept doing was kind of, because you would never go, right? No, you would go back down that section. So I wonder why it was still continuing to stay so wet and slippery, but heat race really slippery, LCQ really slippery. Even in the main event going into that turn, it was super greasy. I'm surprised we didn't see more pileups in that corner. So. I should have had the whole shot. I came out of the gate, perfect jump. 
I don't know if there's a way, can you rewind a little bit and if we can find me? Because now this is going off my memory on the start, so. Yeah, just hang tight a second. So you're where? Oh, definitely Inside. rewind and pause it on the start so I can find myself first. Oh, you actually hit the, you actually hit the tough block on the way in. Did I? Oh yeah, like really hit Okay, so, so let's like see. You, uh, pause it, pause You're it. right here. Where well, am I? Shoot. I forget. Right here. Oh yeah, look at me. So yeah, great jump. Yeah, I had every. I had a perfect gate pick because I was third gate pick. I had a great jump. Perfect shift to third. Perfect shift to fourth. Go go forward a couple of clips here and then pause it again. So I'm still on the gas here. Right, there. right here. I'm. I'm just. I, I think I'm just about to come off the throttle here, and I did it too early. Oh, but, that is way too early. You're not even halfway. All right, watch. That's where you let right, off. The, you let off right there. But the fear with that. The fear with that, though, is I think, who's the one going in in the first turn first? Is that Munoz? Mm. Uh, with, like, the greenish-looking white bike? Yes, I'm pretty no, sure it Munoz is. No, Munoz is not on a green bike. <laughs> I don't think. No, he, he's not. Yeah, he is. Really? No, that's him. That's for sure him. Because there's Hondas, you have Shock on one side, Colin Park on the yeah, other. Well. Munoz is wedged in between them. That's what it looks like from here. The, this is the thought process. When I was going down the first straightaway, I saw a couple Hondas to my right. I'm okay with Park. I'm okay with uh, Shock. I feel safe around them. Munoz, no offense, I don't feel safe around him. So when I saw that he was the one I would have to be battling with to come into the first corner, I didn't even want to put myself in that situation, so I let off early. And I let off a little too early. And then what ended up happening is I got wedged up against the tough blocks on the inside. But that's a good spot to be sort of, because I was just able to creep around the inside, come out top seven, probably. Would you say it came out sixth? Yeah, something like that. Six, seven. You ready? So, tough block. Hard. That was you. Oh, I'm, oh yeah. yeah like, you, you, really, you really hit the tough block, my guy. Wow, this is so freaking hard to do. You have no idea. All right, look at this. Boom. You could have gone yeah. down right there, and that would have been it. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six. So I'm in six. Yeah. As soon as I came across in six, and you can even see me chilling yes. right here. See, Munoz is on a husky. I'm, I'm telling you, dude. I'm telling you the truth. Yeah, but it's he had a lot of green going okay. on, I think. <laughs> a lot. He's got a lot of black and green, I think. Yeah, because he's monster. So he's always got that green, black, and green helmet. And I knew that once I got around the first corner and I was kind of in the clear, that the next few corners on that track, this, this track raced very much like an outdoor track in that you were protected from big time T-bone style passes. Like there was only a couple of traditional bowl corner type situations. Everything else was spread out a good bit, especially after the start, right? You had the two doubles, you'd have the 90 left, 90 right, and then you were kind of into the outdoor style part, which which is nice. You can be aggressive, don't have to worry about uh, really getting hit by people as much as you would in the traditional 180 style supercross turns. And from that point, I'm like, okay, let's just cruise nice and easy, see what happens around me. In the past, maybe six or seven years ago, I would have probably been too aggressive and too anxious and too excited early on in the race. And that's what you can see. And you can almost like feel that energy around you. People are just riding crazy. It's like desperation as if 
I know it's only a four or five minute race, but it, it still plays out over, it, it feels like it takes a while. So if you start in six, there's no need to rush it. I was just like, okay, I'm gonna be faster than these guys in the whoops, I knew that. I, I'm, I was pretty confident I'd be the fastest guy in that race in the whoops in both sets, which I was. And if I need to make passes, we'll do it in the whoops and we'll just cruise nice and slow everywhere else. And that's kind of what I did, unfortunately, the whole race, I was right next to the one guy in that line I didn't want to be next to, which was the, the 99. So I was just being ultra cautious. With three laps to go, I passed them on the left side in the whoops. But the problem with skimming the whoops fast is it was very hard to get on the brakes early enough to take the turn tight. So I passed them, overshot the turn, he cut under, scrubs back by me going down the straightaway. I, I could have scrubbed it. In fact, I know I'm 29, but I'm still really good at scrubbing. I just didn't want to scrub side by side with him. I didn't trust it enough. If it was somebody else, maybe yes, but not, not next to him. So I kept the bike nice and straight, and I was just like, just go back by me. If you're gonna scrub and work that hard on the jump, just go back by me. I passed on the next lap in the same exact spot in the whoops, and the same thing happened. Overshot the turn because I had too much speed. He cut back under, scrubs by me going down the straightaway. Now I know white flag's coming out. So I'm like, okay, I have one last chance to pass him. This is the tricky part. He was faster than me after you go past the mechanics area and turn left and jump into the sand and then that whole rhythm, kind of where the sand would bring you into that rhythm going down the straightaway. He was probably the fastest guy in that race in that specific section. So much so that he caught Linville and passed him, I think, temporarily on the last lap in that section, right? Was that in the white flag lap that he did that? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was. So. My goal at that point was, as we're coming across the mechanics area, actually even before then, because I remember he scrubbed the wall jump, and I don't know if you can see it on TV, I launched the wall. Oh, really? Like, basically, yeah, see if you can get to that point. Oh, can you watch the whole last lap? There's no, well, the, the issue is not really, because <laughs> Peacock doesn't let me record it anymore, which is really annoying. Um, so unless I can find... I can find so the whole thing. he scrubs the wall, I launch the wall, I get right up near him because I know he's gonna pull for me going through the sand after the mechanics area and down that rhythm. Oh, oh. sorry, still tired. Dude, and I'm he tired did. too, it's crazy. Then when we get to the whoops, I reel him and Linville back in, but now in my head, I'm like, well, I've exhausted my passing opportunity because I've already passed them twice in the same section in the same spot. There's no way he's gonna lead the left side open again. In my head, I'm like, there's just no way. I come around the right-hand turn, shift into fourth, and sure enough, he goes right down the middle and leaves the left, si left side open. I'm like, all right. So I charge in, hit him perfectly on the left side, and then with like five whoops to go, you can see him start to try and get back to the left. Like he's doing everything he can to jump them and to get back to the left. And then really quickly when he does that, he hits one in the wrong spot and then cart basically cartwheels himself right as I'm going by him. So worked out perfect. And here's what's cool. Worked out perfect. This is what was different for us as a team. Uh, I can't believe we made the main <laughs> on a day like Atlanta. I just couldn't believe it. It was hot. It was day race. It was you haven't ridden in three weeks. It was LCQ. Didn't qualify well. Didn't qualify well. I was like, 
I don't know if today is going to be our day. And what was so cool is once you were in fifth place and I was watching the other guy ride and I was watching you ride me, mechanic, Dan, Jamie, we were all like, Oh, we got it before. Like, yeah. Cause I was like, all right, he'll pass him in the whoops, right? On the last corner. It's going to be great. He'll be on TV because it'll be right at the end of the lap. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and I felt confident enough to just kind of execute the game plan, which if you watch my posture, the whole LCQ, so if you guys go watch it back, I think they showed me quite a bit in the small box probably. But, and unfortunately, a lot of the footage too is kind of from like really high up and far away. So it's hard to see exactly, but elbows up, very vertical. So it wasn't like I, was in, I wasn't in full attack mode. Uh, I just felt confident and comfortable, which was nice. And... Yeah, it ended up working out nicely. But I guess, are you still trying are you trying to pull it up? Yeah, it's not going to let me. What we can do, I suppose, is we can go from the beginning of the day now and talk all the way through it. Yeah, um, so your yawning is really speaking to me right now. I'm still tired from this weekend. This weekend was was definitely... I don't know if it's like the day race piece or what it was. You know what I'm saying? It was, uh, it was a tough, I don't know, it was a tough weekend for sleep. I, I think doing a day race in, in heat, actual heat, is difficult, is what was difficult. Yeah. Well, let's, it let's, brought me, it brought back flashbacks of like outdoors and Loretta's and <laughs> just when you would race in the grueling heat where you would just get off the track and just try to strip down as quickly as you could mm. because you felt like you'd, you're going to pass out because it's so hot. I'm sure a lot of you guys listening can relate to that feeling. You don't usually have that in Supercross. Usually in Supercross, you come off and you're really super out of breath, but you're not overheating at least. Yeah. This was, this was difficult and you couldn't escape that sun. We were sitting, I fell asleep. I took a nap on the line of the LCQ. Yeah. Literally. Because I was so tired and so hot. Dan held his pit board up for me because I told him to block the sun with the pit board. And I took my helmet off and had him hold my helmet. And I put my head down on the bars and I fell asleep. <laughs> and then he, he taps me on the shoulder when the guy goes like this to tell everybody. The, the guy going like this to tell everybody to start the bikes up didn't wake me up. He taps me on the shoulder. He goes, all right, I think we should get going now. I That's was like, awesome. oh, okay. Oh, Pop my helmet on. Start the bike up. And then LCQ starts. Maybe well, that's the key. Maybe I just need a, a quick little uh, yeah, cat you nap. A, you need a, you know, on the gate nap every once in a while. Yeah. So, okay. I used to do that when I was a kid. The last podcast we did, I was like, Albert, go ride your dirt bike. What did Albert do when I said that? Hmm. I thought about it. Well, that's progress. Uh, I definitely thought about it, but we didn't, we didn't ride the dirt bike. Okay. So literally so. you didn't ride since the main event in Detroit. Right. So tell me about it. Everybody kept saying three weeks, but it wasn't three weeks. It was three weekends. It was four full weeks. And I did some quick math on that. Oh, you're right. Yeah. If people ride four days a week, which some guys do, even if it's three days a week, that's 12 to 16 days of riding that I missed out on, which you could do that math really quick probably, but I would estimate that that is about... 25%, 20 to 25% of my preseason. Jesus. That's a lot of time to miss out on. Jesus. You know, basically a month. Like you didn't ride for a month? (laughs) Yeah, or go to the beach. And we went to the beach. We did a lot of business stuff because thankfully in 2023, 
I don't even use my laptop. The only thing I use my laptop for currently is to record this podcast and it barely can handle that. So everything I do is on my phone. So I can do it from anywhere. Right now, that equals the beach. But I will be honest, I was a little nervous because how could you not be when you are actually physically underprepared compared to the people around you? I was just like, I tried to find that space mentally where I was trying to make four weeks ago feel like it was yesterday. That was really... Bear, are you kidding me? You can't just pummel in here and slam the door open into my freaking camera, buddy. Go lay down. Can you lay down? Unreal. Good boy. Good boy. In my head, I'm just like, okay, four weeks ago, it's not that long. It feels like yesterday. I can just remember the feeling. Really, the goal will just go right from the beginning when I step foot on the bike. The goal was to go out on lap. This was the key. This was the most important part of the whole day, in my opinion. Go out on lap one of free practice, the first time that I touched the dirt, and don't be a wuss. Jump stuff right away and get into the flow right away. And I did that. I did that. I didn't qualify top 10 like I had the last few rounds, but it did not take me long to learn that track. I jumped all those big scary doubles on the first couple of laps, maybe even the first lap. Jumped all the rhythms by second or third lap. I did everything really quick and that was what I needed. Because what I would have done in the past is allowed myself to have been nervous and then take a couple laps to get warmed up and then you've 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 you screwed yourself at that point because the, the practice goes by too quick. If you don't make that free practice count, you will ruin your whole day. So I had to get that momentum going right away. And I kind of carried that into the first time qualifier and the second time qualifier. I even told Dan before the second time qualifier. Oh, because what happened is they groomed the track. Everybody got three seconds faster after the first time qualifier. When I saw C group go out there or B group go out there, the top couple of guys in B group went from a 140 to a 136 or 137. So they got three to four seconds faster. And Dan relayed that information to me. And then I told him, you know what? I'm not worried about it. My goal actually is to try and do two laps in a row, like two hard laps in a row, but I'm just going to log as many fast corners, jumps, sections, laps as I can and do as little rolling as possible because I just have to get comfortable and learn the track. And I said, I don't care how I qualify. So much so that after the, the second time qualifier, I never looked. Some people have told me, some people said 20th, 22nd, 23rd. I still to this right now, I don't know what place I qualified. I never looked. And each time I hit the track, I just got that much more comfortable, had the right mindset. And the heat race is really kind of what gave me a really good boost of confidence, a big boost of confidence because yeah. I was on the line and I had a couple of specific thoughts. I remember I just said to myself, um, uh, it was something about like the only thing that matters is like right, right now, like for, I, because a lot of times I'll sit on the line and I'll think about everything that I have or haven't done leading up to this point mm -hmm. for no good reason. And I'm like, you know what? Just worry about right now. 
I'm feeling pretty good today. Everything's going well. Like, let's just think about right, right now, right this second, right now. That's it, right now. And the gate dropped, got a good start in the heat race. Shifted third, shifted fourth, really good start. Hugged the inside, actually very similar to the way I did in the LCQ. Came out, I think, looking probably pretty good. And then I hit somebody going through the jumps. I can't remember if I locked foot pegs with them or elbows or handlebars, something. And then simultaneously when that happened, the person in front of me cased the last rhythm before the finish line jump. And I'm like, oh, they're not gonna jump it. They did end up jumping it, but at that point I had already decided, okay, I just hooked with the guy and the guy in front of me isn't gonna jump it. I have to roll the finish line. And I'm like, I'm not rolling the finish line on first lap, especially if I'm the first guy to roll the finish line in the first lap. I'm going off the side of the jump. <laughs> so, so I turn left and start going down the sand section backwards because I didn't feel like rolling the finish line jump or the jump after it to get landed on. So I just roll, roll, I just went down the sand section backwards, hop back on, make sure it's all clear. I'm now in dead last. I missed all of that. You did? All I saw, because I was on the other side of the finish line, I saw you check up and not jump. And there's audio of me. And I'm like, you can't roll the finish line on the first lap. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. And I, yeah, so that happens. I, I go left, I go into the oncoming lane and just let everybody go by. And even Dan, mechanic Dan said at dinner afterward, he goes, yeah, that was the turning point. Right when you got back on the track, right then and there. Or he goes, right when I saw you go off the track, I go, well, he says, he had the moment where he just thought, well, that's it. He's given up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. right. And then he said, as soon as I got back on the track, he was able to tell within two corners before I even disappeared from him away from view that, no, that wasn't it. Like I, something clicked and I decided I was coming back through. He could tell just by the way I looked on the bike before I took off that like, oh, oh, hang on a second. He's actually going for this. So I came from dead last up to 11th, right? Yeah. And that was a fun one because I was scrubbing the finish line jump hard and the doubles. I was scrubbing rhythm sections hard. I was charging everything. I might've taken somebody out at one point. I was block passing people. I was super, super aggressive. By far, the most aggressive I've been in any race this season, or honestly, probably any race in the last five years. I was just charging. I was locking onto the next guy in front of me, tracking him down, passing him, moving on to the next guy, passing him, moving on to the next guy, passing him. And fast guys, you know, top 16 and further up in the heat race are not slow dudes. I mean, nobody in the heat race is slow, but especially as you start creeping towards that top 10, I'm passing fast guys and just blowing by them and going on to the next one. That was a good boost of confidence in the arm. That like felt quite nice, but it completely exhausted me. Completely exhausted me. So that was my fears when I got off of the heat race. I was just like, holy cow, that was sick, but I'm toast like i am completely done yeah but dude like that it was so weird that heat race because it was so unlike qualifying <laughs> like the difference between your heat race and qualifying was night and day during qualifying it looked like last year qualifying hmm. 
Like it just looked like last year. Like there was just you were flowing around doing your thing, getting decent times. Twenty, uh, you qualified twenty third. Just so you know, um, and okay. sure enough, but it didn't look racy or just no, looked like kind of stiff and, and then nervous that and heat awkward. Race, was, we were all like, "What the heck is happening?" I mean, dude, you pass what eleven dudes? Like, <laughs> that's insane. And I, I have the shots. Uh, I got you passing someone in the last set of whoops every single lap. You slammed one dude. Slammed him in the corner. <laughs> like, I was Yeah, just- Jack Rogers. I went up and apologized <laughs> afterward. And he goes, you know what he said too? What? Is he goes, dude, I'm, uh, he, he apologized to me. He's like, dude, I'm sorry. I did not hear you coming at all. And it was because... <laughs> I had so much speed coming in that the last few whoops, I was off throttle, so I was coasting. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't hear me, so he cut to the inside to take the turn, and I just slammed him and stood him up. No, but I, we were like, what the heck happened? Like, all of a sudden, the heat race had clicked, which I've never seen. Like, it never clicks. Like, like you, 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 the story for you that I've noticed, like, Obviously. as an outsider, has always been the days determined in qualifying whether or not we're going to do it. So to see in Atlanta the day not be determined by qualifying was very, that was cool. Yeah, that heat race, we were racing, dude. Yeah, right. That's what it was. I, I'd say most of the time I'm guilty of not racing. Right. I can ride fast, but I don't race. That was, I was racing. Yep. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> and what I realized in that is I, I like, racing's fun. Well, that's good. <clears throat> Sometimes... Sometimes I try and convince myself that just the riding's the fun part, but but racing's kind of fun. Yeah, racing is fun. Yeah, good. Well, considering what we do, it's a good thing, you know. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Racing's yeah. fun. LCQ. Not as fun as the heat. I mean, the heat was actually really fun. LCQ is more like, all right, guys, like, don't hurt me here. Like, let's be really cautious. Let's be strategic. It was still fun because it worked. Uh, but then the main event was also really fun. Cameraman Cam, bathroom pit stop. What's going on? Oh, he just left. He just left. He up and walked out. Didn't even give me a warning. I think he, I, I think he thought I was just going to keep on talking. So never a better time than to throw in a Moto Academy ad. If you guys want the best, in fact, the only motocross community online go to club.themotoacademy.com by the time this drops guess what we've just launched a couple of new master classes featuring jet lawrence they're awesome i haven't watched them yet but i've heard they're awesome i'm going to watch them right after this they're going live inside of the app and with that we are picking a winner april 28th to fly you out to salt lake city to watch jet's last 250 race of his career with the entire moto academy team i'm flying in cameraman cam Dr. Irresistible, we're flying Ryan in. We got mechanic Dan going. We've got driver Jamie going. Coach James. Jackson, for some reason. We got everybody (laughs) coming to Salt Lake City Supercross to hang out, to host you for the day. And guess what? All you have to do to win is just be inside of the Moto Academy app. Go to club.themotoacademy.com. If you have, even if you've only listened this far in, we're 30 minutes into this podcast, if, if you've listened 30 minutes into this podcast and you're not in the app yet, then I don't know what the heck you're doing. Get in there. Get in there. Subscribe. Okay, he's back. I gave you a warning. 
I said, I did this, like, keep going. Oh, I don't, I, when I talk, I try to look at the camera and not you, uh, just in case you're clipping I haven't me changed any visually. of my, ba- I haven't charged any of my batteries since I got home yesterday. So I'm, I'm going to be swapping all like, through the whole thing. Oh. I got a little you bit. You know what I one. bought, which is nice. I, I just bought a thing that. I know. I need one. Yeah. That plugs into the wall. You yeah. don't have one period? No, I, I, I don't know why. I just need to go order one. Oh, it's so nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in desperate need. Okay. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Was it hard to go back to an LCQ? We've done how many in a row not going to LCQs? Two or three? No, it wasn't. And it, it three races. Yeah. Because one of them was a triple crown and then right. two actual legit heat. Yeah. So three rounds without an LCQ. No, I didn't even think of it that way. I just, it honestly never even crossed my mind that I was in the LCQ. I was just like, okay, good gate pick. Let's get a good start and let's just ride. Like very simple thoughts, which is good. Yeah. I think my mindset was really good the whole day considering complete lack of preparation. So that's a good thing. Main event, great start in the main event from the outside. I could have, if you play back the start from the main event, if I had stayed on the gas and committed to that last part of the corner, I would have come out probably like top seven. But I let everybody go because I really thought, especially after the LCQ, I'm like, all right, I got nothing left here. Nothing left. But then once the race, as soon as the start came and after a lap or two, I'm like, okay, this is fun. I had a good rhythm on the track. I had good lines in both sets of whoops. There wasn't a part of the track where I really felt awkward or uncomfortable on. I felt like I had a good flow. So I just stayed in the mix the whole time. I did get lapped, but it wasn't until the very end when I got lapped that I kept on moving, didn't really let them by, and ended up 16th. In fact, I actually caught two guys right at the end. I really wanted 15th bad. I kept seeing 16 on the pit board. I was reeling in Hicks and Nice in front of me. Uh, I was faster than them at the end because they were fading as well, but I, I just didn't have any any energy left. And it was getting scary because all of the lines that I was taking on the jumps were so far to the corner of the track and the ruts were getting deeper that, no joke, the outside of my foot, of my boot, in a couple of the sections, that if one of them specifically was the double after the finish line, which by the way is a massive double, my foot would graze the, the tough block each time that I would go through that, off that takeoff. So when you start to get tired, what happens is your footwork very easily goes from, I know Cam probably can't see me, from this to this mm-hmm. with your toe out, and you don't even know. And then all it takes is that little bit for boom, that tough block to catch your foot. And next thing you know, you're just doing a Superman when you didn't mean to. So I was being really, really careful. And another thing too, is like when you get tired, especially with my soft suspension, it's really easy to land and let your ankles blow out where you could break an ankle or tear an Achilles. It's easy for your wrist to kind of cave and blow off the handlebar. So I was just kind of really doing everything I could to just make sure I was reinforcing for landings, uh, and yeah, overall, it was actually a really darn good day. Yeah, did you, um, how do you feel about, like, how do you feel about day races? I mean, we showed up at the track and it was dark out. You know what I mean? Don't like that. Don't like that. I have one rule I try and stick to almost all the time, which is don't wake up before the sun comes up. You can (laughs) wake up as the sun's coming up, but don't wake up when it's dark. 
I agree. <laughs> and I had to, I had to break that rule the morning of Atlanta, which I, basically we were walking the track at the beginning in the morning with, it was like still dark. Yeah. Kind of. The sun was coming up like by the end of track walk. Yeah. And dude, by the time we ate, huh, it was 10 o'clock anyway. Yeah. How the heck did that happen? We did know. everything we could to get back and get to get to dinner as quickly as we could. Oh, you mean and like later in the night? Yeah, I couldn't believe it. We were all like, yeah, we don't have to eat dinner at midnight. And all of a sudden we're eating at 11 o'clock. <laughs> we went to the worst restaurant uh, ever. It was unbelievable. It was a, it was, it was a travesty. I, my bill was a hundred and twenty dollars oh and goodness. I tipped three, I tipped three, three dollars. Well, don't say that. <laughs> oh no, they deserved zero dollars. In fact, I shouldn't have paid for that bill, period. It was the worst service I've ever had. And not to mention, we had this discussion at the table. Depending on the type of restaurant you go to, there should be a different level of expectation for the service and the food. When you're at the type of restaurant that we were at. Can we just say where we were? We were at a Porsche hotel, like a bougie hotel, like an overpriced yes. hotel and ate at their restaurant, which was expensive. <laughs> Yes. You know. So therefore, yeah. you expect good food and you expect good service. Oh my gosh, I couldn't and believe it. And it was not only not good service, it was the worst service I've ever had in my entire life to the point where like we were all slightly pissed off but also cracking up at like we were in disbelief. It was pathetically Tony, bad. <laughs> I mean, there were so many things that happened. Like at one point, the entrees finally start coming out after forever no, and so, i'm talking the entrees came out 30 minutes spread apart from each other like tony waited and didn't eat just, for just, so long i'm like dude just eat clearly like this isn't normal protocol here yeah let me let me let's back up for a second okay some of us ordered drinks right like drinks that weren't water and it took like 45 minutes meanwhile we're next to the bar like where they make the drinks or get the drinks like we, we like could have reached over and done it ourselves <laughs> and it took 45 minutes and then two drinks came, mechanic Dan and Jamie's drinks came and then Tony got a cocktail and you know, another 20 minutes go by. Like he was waiting for well over an hour and he's like, Oh, can I get this? Like order something different. And the waitress goes, Oh, your drink's coming. <laughs> And he was wrapping like, up his what? meal at that point. Like he was having the last couple bites of his his entree at that point. Oh. And she nonchalantly goes, oh, no, no, it's coming. And then driver Jamie goes from across the table, oh, I thought she quit. <laughs> and I started cracking up. It was, and that was what kind of blew my mind the most was, okay, you know, there's levels to this. If, if you're going to have... If you're going to be a nice restaurant, have good service. If you're not going to have good service, you sure as heck better do a couple of things. One, apologize profusely. Two, discount big time or don't charge people, period. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I knew, I saw this playing out. I'm like, these people are so oblivious and so bad at their jobs. None of them are apologizing. Not one. And, and that showed it right there. She was just like, Oh, your drink's coming. Like she didn't recognize that the drink not being there for an hour and 45 minutes was not like a normal thing. And then I called it too. I'm like, watch this. And what happened? I ordered yes, yes. Uh, bread bread service, which costs money. Yep. A, a couple other people Brussels ordered sprouts. bread service, which 
cost money. I ordered Brussels sprouts as an appetizer. And and I called it too. I said, watch this. When this bill comes out, it's going to have all of the things on there. Not only is it not going to be discounted, it's going to have all the things on there that just never came. Yeah, we didn't get half of what we ordered. You did say that out loud. (laughs) You're like, we're we're not going to get half of what we ordered and it's all going to be on the bill. And sure enough. (laughs) Sure enough. Exactly what I thought. And I'm just like, holy cow, this is just you almost can't get mad at that point because it's so low level. It's so bottom of the barrel where I'm like, this is just, I'm like, do you think the, like the owner of this establishment knows what's going on? And, and Tony goes, if, if he knows what's going on, they've got bigger problems to worry about. Dude, it was so funny. And like that happens, that was happening a while for like the last year or so around where I live because there's no one working. They had people everywhere doing nothing, Mm -hmm. just like walking around. And it wasn't busy. There was no. like six people at the bar and there was a few other tables at this restaurant. It was unbelievable. But here's the deal. So like I ordered, was... my dinner was a water and an entree and that was it. And it was like $52. That's like how expensive this place was. And just like, I, we were, we were dying, dude. I'm glad so we what thought did you it was tip? funny. I, I tipped 20%. Yeah. No, you didn't. I did. Yeah. That's what I do. Why are you enabling that type of behavior? Well, here's the deal. I have a perspective on this, okay? Like, okay, I want to hear it. In this scenario, I don't think my perspective is correct. It couldn't be. I can't think of a perspective that you're going to say right my now. My perspective, accurate. whenever I have bad service, whenever I have like crummy scenarios, I try to give the benefit of the doubt and say either it's not the waitress's fault or... Maybe they're having an off day. Like, I get the counter argument. I get the counter argument. If you're paid to be nice, you should be freaking nice, right? I get the counter argument. But I always try to, I always try to give the benefit of the doubt and say, hey, like, if, like, maybe it's a weird day. Maybe, like, something was going on behind the scenes that we didn't see. Maybe something. You know what I mean? However, that thought process wasn't probably valid at this place because the waitress definitely it, just didn't know what was going on it but, certainly wasn't applicable in this situation because it also wasn't one individual we had a group of people kind of operating and serving our table none of which were competent so it was like <laughs> yeah i get that and we were in the south i like that's I, that's the part that blows my mind <laughs> i tip based on service 20 percent. you're getting 20 percent if you're firing on all cylinders 18 percent if you're doing your job, but you're just kind of like doing your job and you, you have a couple of moments of brilliance, but then mostly just average. 15% if you're doing your job and you kind of suck at it. And that's usually where I draw the line. 15% is kind of that low point of like, eh, if you suck, you get 15%. This bill came out $120. I tipped $3. I paid all in cash because I'm like, I don't want them to screw me. But these people just don't deserve my money. They're lucky I'm paying for the full bill. I even was having the conversation with Tony the whole time because that he, his what he does is high end service basically. Yeah, <laughs> and I was just like, okay, where does this fall in the spectrum of you know, one to ten? Ten being the best food you've ever eaten, one being like I'm getting up and walking out of this place. And he goes, this to be quite honest with you, this is the closest I've ever been, but not walked out of a place. Like it's right there. Yeah. On on that verge. We probably so, sh- uh, uh, like honestly this would have been a really jerk move. But we probably should have left, 
like after the 45 minutes when we got nothing but water and then gone across the street to Chick-fil-A. We probably should have done that because then we would have slept two more hours. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, man, it was bad. But, but really our mistake right from the get-go was that Chick-fil-A was right next to our hotel. We should have started with that option. Yes. Because we drove 30 minutes away, ended up at this place that I, I went to last year by accident. <laughs> Steven Nimberg was there with what? Isabella, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, really? I think that was last year. Yeah. And I remember it being horrible. That's the first place that we end up at. I'm like, all right, that's unfortunate, but whatever. Ends up being an hour wait. So we're like, nope. Then there's this other place called the Slutty Vegan, which just doesn't sound very good. Vegan food, not so much. We walk in and all of us are kind of like, oh, no. Yeah. And then Dave's like, what about my hotel restaurant? We're like, okay, we call. Turns out that is an option, which, by the way, his hotel is right next to mine, which is right next to the Chick-fil-A. This is where we started this whole journey in the first place, and that's where we end up. But by the time we ate dinner and got done, it was 1130 at night. Yeah, I was not happy. That was a total bummer. And that was sort of the whole thing, the the whole day. We're like... All right, you know, it, it was a, a bit of a bummer getting up early, but at least we're going to be in bed early I know. because we'll be able to have dinner by like 6.30. I was, I thought we'd be in bed at 9.30. Nope. Like, I thought, oh, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Yep. I, really I, unfortunate. Yeah, not ideal. Not ideal. So the day races are tough. Um, Nashville's a day race, which if there's going to be a day race anywhere, Nashville's the place to have it. It's just going to be fun. Um, there's a lot to do in Nashville, so that's cool. Dude, next week, actually, before we talk about next week, did you see Hunter save in the main event? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, whoa. I text them about it. What did he say? I didn't know that that happened, so I went up to Dazzy at the end of the night, and Dazzy was not stoked and he might have been not stoked like sarcastically and playing it up to be dramatic which i think he was but he was just like hunter needs to go to one of your classes because that was ugly (laughs) and i didn't know that the whole superman thing had happened and i text hunter about it what did he say oh he just goes ha 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 lo my nuts hurt so bad (laughs) he just (laughs) Yeah, I mean, but it was kind of his fault because, do you know why, Cam? Well, you want to watch it? Yeah. All right, let's watch And let me break it down for you because I think, and and I'd like to talk to Hunter about this a little bit more in depth, but I I think he would agree with me. He cased it the wrong way. Okay, let's watch. Have you watched it back? Yeah. All right, here's Vial. And it's Deegan who takes advantage. Ricky James, I want to just say, do you sit behind the series leader and just learn from him, like you said, Ricky, or do you go after it? And I think Deegan at 17 says, you know what? This following stuff, not for me. Yeah, certainly. You sit behind Here comes a replay. and you watch and you learn. That's a great, that's a great learning class. You ain't going to get that during the week. But here's a replay. He just gets off sequence. What a Oh, save. he totally did. That could have I mean, okay, oh, yeah. so. Yeah, he totally just cased so, it wrong. Yeah. But I think maybe he did it intentionally, but if he did it intentionally, that means he just kind of like disrespected the whole section because 
you could tell, go back to the beginning. He's disrespecting the beginning of this section for sure. So he comes out of the sand, keep going back, keep going back, keep going back. It's taking, I'm getting keep there. Keep going. I'm getting there. Thank you. Keep going. Yeah, thank you. I'm still going. Okay, so keep right here. Okay. Also, okay, so was, he... Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so the line he's trying to do, I assume, is triple off the sand, which he cases. Yep. He cases that back tire first. Now, pause it, keep it paused. That's okay, because that one is barely even there. I mean, that, that landing is a foot and a half tall. It's not sharp. So he's casing that almost as if he's uh, landing on flat ground, which back tire first makes yep. sense as long as your head's forward because you can power through that. So that kind of makes sense. Now keep going. Now this is where the disrespect comes because he's just like, screw it. We're going to keep trying to, what, just skim this whole section? Or no, he gets in the pocket. He gets there. But not really. But didn't make the triple, like even close. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he got lost. That was really weird if you think about it. So, because right here he's supposed to go three. Leave it pause right here. Right where you, you're supposed to case. If you're going to case that, that's, it's not a big one. That's a three footer is what they call it. But the Dirtworks guys told me that they free balled that whole section. So meaning nothing was measured. That wasn't a three footer. <laughs> It was probably more like a two-footer, mm -hmm. but it was pretty sharp. So you have to show it respect. And by show it respect, I mean, like, take the, take the time to case it the correct way, which in this circumstance, you have to case that front tire first so that the bike will push through. If you case something too steep, back tire first, it's going to compress just the rear and then want to fling you into a front flip, which... Oh. He is so lucky. Look at his okay. So he, look at his foot, right? Look, look carefully at his foot. It, it goes it off right on off the rebound. Of that, it didn't slide off. It it jumped off on the rebound. Yeah, because it kicked his butt too. I mean, of course. Just, like I don't care. Oh, and then oh. he cases that, drives into that with both feet off the pegs because they were already blown off at that point. Oh. That takes so so much core strength. To not, and I talked about this when Deegan had a similar incident going through the whoops at Indy or I, who knows where it was at this point. And when you are when you start to fly off the bike this way, it takes a lot of core strength to not keep flying off the bike that way. So he's like tightening his abs, trying to keep himself in position. Dude, not, he also does a look, good job of separating this. his legs. Not only here does he nail himself. Look at the landing. No feet oh, on yeah, the pegs. No. And then just, oh, gosh. <laughs> and he does guy. a good job also of when he lands, he squeezes with his knees a bunch when he takes it straight to the nuts right here. Yep. And because it would be very easy again to fly off the bike again. So he did two things right here. One, he landed front tire first, which saved him here. But he, he lands and he squeezes with his knees really hard. So when it kind of ricochets him off, he stays put. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow, yeah, look, he's actually, honestly, he's gripping the side number plate with his heel. You see that? He like yeah, he's grabs doing, it. he's doing everything he can to not get ricocheted back off the bike, which was, all of that was pretty impressive, but it started with casing front tire, uh, back tire first, lofting like this. Never, ever, ever, guys, if you're casing a jump, take the time, even though it's scary, even if you think the jump is too pointy or too sharp, it is more safe to hit with the bike level, AKA front tire first, than it is to loft the front and land back tire first. And you want to know the last time Hunter landed back tire first, where that was mm. and what happened? 
It was at Atlanta Supercross last year when he cased the triple on press day and mm. flung himself off the front. That's true. That did happen. But yeah. what a, that could have gone a lot of different ways. That could have gone a lot of different ways. It's, it's weird to see him. He almost never messes up. It's weird to see him make a big mistake like that. Right? You're just not used to seeing it. It looks like foreign uh, because he's always so in control and so solid. Great Dude, save. He, but yes, Hunter, case front man. tire first. Hunter, man. He has won six out of seven races this year. Man. has Does he have more 250 wins than Jet at this point? Are they still tied? What's the stat there? Uh, oh, wait. They don't, must... even, don't try to answer that. Are you sure you don't want me to try? Because I can try. (laughs) But I'd make it up. (laughs) Dude, um, Hunter's the man. Hunter's the man. That is nuts. That is just nuts. I can't wait to watch him and Jet. Who you got your money on? Okay. Jet or Hunter? Okay, let's talk. Let's talk. MetLife Supercross. Shall we talk? Guys, let's talk about this weekend. Let's talk about this weekend. New Jersey. Who do I think is going to win? Let's let's pose a hypothetical, okay? Ooh, oh, it's gonna be fun to watch. Both of them are fully capable of winning by over five seconds. I want to see. This is what I want to see. I'm not saying this is gonna. I I hope this would happen. And they do. They're, it they're too. gonna. I know. I know. I know what you're gonna say. I want to see what happened. Do you remember? I forget what year it was. <laughs> Here's high another point. statistic for you. Well, high point, yes, but not like that. I want to see what happened at Motocross of Nations when Villapoto won everything in like 2011 or whatever. Mm-hmm. When he waited up for all the other Americans and they all crossed at the same time. Huh? I, I don't remember that. I want I want them to like check up and like whip side by side or do something cool over the finish line. Because remember, it doesn't it really doesn't matter because they're racing for their own coast. Like high point, it does matter. They're in the same cha- championship. High point was absolutely the best race I've ever seen in my life. You know, for anybody who doesn't remember, they beat the field by 30 plus seconds, both motos, and they finished within a second of each other, both motos. It was incredible. Um, but I want them to, I want them to meet up at the end of the race and just jump together. I think it'd be the coolest thing ever. That's what I want. That would be cool. That's a good idea. Didn't think about that. Yep. What was I going to say? Oh, I, I'm thinking that you have a lot of the, the fast competition out at this point in the season, too. McAdoo's hurt, right? Thrasher just hurt himself. So that thins out the crowd a little bit to where they have a higher likelihood of getting out clear one and two off of the start instead of having separation in between them, which would ruin the, the race we, that we want to see. I think if they come off to start one and two, they're racing each other hard and they end up yarding every, like oh, yarding. gapping everybody <laughs> so far. Right? 100%. I mean, that's, that's what I would think because Jet specifically told me that when he gets into first, all he does is watch the pit board and try and match the time of the guy in second. He's not trying to pull away. He's just trying to, to keep the time where it's at. Right. Which... You can always tell that when you watch the race because he tends to keep it between like two to five seconds. That's just what he does. So, yeah, I'm excited. Is there anybody? There's a lot of whoops too. Is there anybody who doesn't want that storybook moment in New Jersey though? Does anybody not want that? I think I think the brothers are a little bit like, oh, here comes the hype. Like everyone's gonna be talking about it. What? Like, is there anyone on planet Earth who doesn't want to see that happen? (laughs) 
other than the rest of the field. You know, like. But what's cool, oh, it's not. I don't think it's the annoying type of hype because I don't know if people are necessarily hardcore rooting Jet or or Hunter. I think they just think it'd be a cool moment to watch. At, yes. At least for myself, that's what I'm thinking. So, uh, well, actually, now that I say that, who are you rooting for, Jet or Hunter? Oh, I can't answer that. Gun to your head. In my position. <laughs> Jet or Hunter? Um... Uh, oh, I, I, because I don't, I wouldn't be rooting for necessarily one or the other. Yeah, I think I, it would change during the race. I'd be rooting for the underdog. Yes, but I, in the that they're specific the same, circumstance, though. like is there an underdog in this scenario? Well, like, yes, whoever's in second. Well, I guess. Yeah, I, I That's just how I would look at. Well, it. you okay? I, I just told you I want them to go off the finish line next to each other. That's what I want. <laughs> like I, everybody's a winner. In, in New Jersey, all right? Comment like, below because I'm sure this is going to get clipped one way or another if you're listening to this podcast inside of the Moto Academy app, if you're watching this podcast inside of the Moto Academy app, which, by the way, this, that's the only place you can watch full episode. Oh, no, the sushi. Oh, boy. Oh, great. Watch full episodes is inside of the app. Comment and let us know. Who do you want to see win, Jet or Hunter? Yep. Yeah, I want to... I, uh, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a great Can either race. of them wrap up the championship? Like, what's the point situation so looking Hunter, like? Hunter could, but Hayden would, Hunter could, Hunter would, uh, Hayden would have to come in dead last, more or less. Um, uh, Hayden's Hunt, in second in points? Second in points, dude. No way. <laughs> yeah, he's second in points. And now Thrasher's out of the picture, unfortunately. And I want to say third in points... Jordan Smith. Is it at Jordan this point, Smith? Probably? It's got to be Jordan Smith. Um, but Although Hunter, Hunter, he didn't make the main at Detroit, so right. maybe it's not. Maybe it's still Anstey. Also, the press conference, that was the first thing that brought up because Hayden and Smith are on the podium together. <laughs> and he goes, they're like, hey, nice seeing both of you up here. <laughs> also, top five moment for the 450 press conference. My gosh, it was hilarious. And they like left, there was like a bunch of hot mic moments. Before mm -hmm. they started, like the stream started before they started and they just left it on there. And it was Chase, Roxon, and Barsha just being like, guys, we did it. <laughs> like, it was, and they were like talking about like flying home and like, oh, it was just awesome. They were, oh, they were yeah, so I haven't fun. seen any of it. I'm curious. I'm actually excited to watch that. Yeah, they, it was, it was, uh, it was really good. Uh, but what was I saying just before that? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just a special scenario that we get to like, like the Jet and Hunter, the odds of them winning by a long shot are good. And like, how stinking cool is that? But yeah, so Hunter has a 45 point lead. I know that for a fact, so don't roast me. 45 point Holy lead cow. on Hayden. Uh, first place is 26 points, right? So he only needs five points to wrap the title, right? Yes. So because he has, that just means him winning races. and Deegan getting. Third or fourth, and he wins the title. Really? Holy Pretty God. sure. That's nuts. Mm -hmm. So he could. Could he wrap the title in New Jersey? I am hoping he wraps it in Nashville because all my friends will be there, selfishly. And then Jet will likely wrap the title in Denver. But New Jersey. Do you have a flight to Denver yet? Yeah. Okay. But. 
uh, New Jersey is a big championship day for the 250 class. Um, how crazy would that be if Hunter just wrapped it in New Jersey? Are you kidding me? Two races early? That would be insane. Pretty impressive. Uh, what else? I don't really feel like talking about any of the other racing. Was there anything else that was exciting? Well, cameraman Cam had the best and worst day of his life. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk about any of that. Yeah. Okay. Hang on. Sure. I'm, I'm airdropping it to... Uh, I'm airdropping it to my computer so we can watch the video. So, sh- shout out driver Jamie for being a jerk. <laughs> And did, did we get a debrief from Driver Jamie on what was going through his head in that whole thing? No, or, I, I don't. Or have he, it. I think Driver Jamie, I think he he must have blanked out, right? I think. What do you think I'm happened? I think. I don't know. I think. I think what maybe was he, he thinking. <laughs> I think maybe I don't think Driver Jamie was thinking. Period. I, this is my. This is what I think happened. I think that he was over there cleaning my boots or my helmet or something, and Kenny was cleaning the Cincerillo helmet, and he just said, "Oh, this is cool. Can I hold it for a second? And then he probably asked if he could take it over to show us, or I don't know. And I bet you, Driver Jamie didn't process the fact that Santorello is your favorite rider and that that would be confused as a situation where you thought you were getting the helmet. I don't think that crossed his mind. No, or I the never, exact opposite. I never thought I was getting the helmet. Oh, you didn't? I thought driver Jamie got the helmet. That's what was going on through in my head. Oh. And I was like, What? <laughs> So I'm, I'm filming and I have the clip downstairs. Um, I don't have it up here because I just saw it when I was editing the video. And driver Jamie walks over with Cincerillo's helmet and he's like, hey, look what I just got. And he's holding Cincerillo's helmet that he was wearing <laughs> like that day. And here's the background for anybody who doesn't know. Cincerillo, call me a bandwagoner. I don't care. He was the first rider that I ever watched from like 65 to pro ranks. Right. I remember watching him like when I was racing on an 85 at a 65, I would watch videos of Adam and try to emulate the style. I remember if you if you ever watched him on super minis on the start straight, he would lean like over the back fender and which is terrible technique. But I was I was studying that one week and then the next weekend I tried it and got my first hole shot ever. (laughs) (laughs) So like. Adam has always been my, like, always been my favorite rider. I've still never met him, but, um, and everybody knows this because I talk about him all the time. Driver Jamie comes over with Adam Cincerillo's freaking helmet and is like, look what Adam gave me. And what Jamie said to me is he was like, I cleaned Adam's boots for him. So he gave me a helmet as a thank you. Oh, and I was like, what? And literally he's standing there and you're standing there and I'm standing there all dead still trying to figure out what's happening. All right, watch this video. Yeah. Oh yeah. Cause I was confused. I'm probably going to just look back and forth the whole time. Just listen, to, listen to what you say here. Oh, so, yeah. Either this is a real sick joke. <laughs> <laughs> 
See what he just said? If you were to clean the boots, you would have got the helmet? Is that what he said? Yeah. And you were like, either this is some sick joke, <laughs> or like... So now I think he stole it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or this is some sick joke. Leatherman in the app for filming the whole encounter. <laughs> oh, Mark filmed that yeah. whole thing. But I was so confused. That was hilarious because it was like a standoff. Like Jamie didn't fully think through. I think that watching that, it, Jamie would he premeditated. It was just a joke. He was just messing with you. Yeah, but in the moment, it's somewhat. I mean, it's a stretch, but somewhat believable story. <laughs> Okay, like good on you, Jamie, for coming up with a somewhat of a believable story. You washed Adam's boots, so he gave you a gift. But I'm like, I just, I was, I, my brain was misfiring seeing driver Jamie holding Adam's helmet. <laughs> and I'm like, none of this, even that part doesn't make sense, <laughs> right? So the rest of the story I couldn't even process. <laughs> like, oh my, oh my god. So then what happened next? Okay, so then what happens is I go over to Kenny Day. Okay, and I go I go over to Kenny Day because he's like right over by her van, right? So we're pitted yeah. in the garage and the van's parked across the way and Kenny Day was right behind it. And I walk over to Kenny. I'm like, do you know what you just did to me? <laughs> like, and totally joking, right? And he's like, it was totally not my idea. It was all Jamie. And I was like, I was like, yeah, dude, he's been my favorite rider forever. Like, I was hilarious. You know, like, just joking around, like, whatever. And he's like, oh, I didn't know that. I'm like, yeah, dude. So, anywho. And they all know it and all this stuff. And then, and I just hadn't seen Kenny Day. So, that was my way of going to say hi. I try to say hi every round. So, um, and then we go back to business. Like, you and I are doing an interview in the van. Um, the night show is about to start, all this stuff. So, we were just kind of getting ready. And not five minutes go by. And you and I are in the van filming our interview. We just finished up and the door opens and um, driver Jamie and Kenny Day hand me this <laughs> with a like, come on, dude. So sick. Gosh, it's so sick. So also it says to Cam. That does not look like Adam's handwriting. Not that I know what Adam's handwriting looks like, but I like the thought. Um, here's what I will say. Just to put into perspective for everybody, Dave Drakes was there. And I met Dave Drakes at my very first Supercross race uh, three years ago. And Dave comes up to me after I get the jersey or whatever. And he's like, the first day I met you, you talked about an Adam Cincerello jersey. <laughs> like... Yeah, like that's that's how crazy it is. I gotta I gotta show you the video of did I, did I get it? Yes, you did got I, it. It was blown out, but you have it. Um, but I'm gonna show you the video of that somebody took on their phone of when I walked back to the pit with it for the first time. 
because I was just in disbelief. Obviously I looked at Kenny. I'm like, Kenny, you didn't have to do that. Like I was not asking you for anything. Like, I just thought it was a, like, oh yeah, he pranked me, whatever. And then also like, dude, how cool is it? Like, this is the first year that this is on here. The super motocross. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Stained red. Everyone asks, no, this is not the Jersey that he axed himself in. It's not. <laughs> I, no, this is from, um, free practice and qualifying. Okay. So, oh my gosh, how sick is that? But watch, watch this video. Um, Come on, computer. This is just me looking at it, right? Cam, what do you this have? Vlog, by the way. And watch my face. I've thought about this. Gone. <laughs> In my own universe. <laughs> just <laughs> it showed up. <laughs> just in my own universe. I because I locked eyes with mechanic Dan, and Dan's like, what are you holding? And I just had nothing to say. I'm just like, I have no idea what just happened. Yeah, that's cool. Now, that's here's the deal. Kenny Day, you're the man. You're the man, Kenny Day. He's he's hooked it up. Um, he I he owes me nothing. You know what I mean? He owes me nothing. Um, that's wicked. That's wicked. Yeah, he's I mean, he's super on. nice. Come I on, like that guy dude. He's just a genuine person. I just don't even know how to like nice. describe like how cool that is for me. I feel like jerseys are like the ultimate. I don't know. I mean, you've always been a pro rider. But for me, it's like getting jerseys is like the coolest thing you can do. As far as like being connected in the sport or whatever. Because there's only well, I mean, especially when it has a cool story behind it. It's not like you bought the jersey off eBay. Right. You know what I mean? Also, the most dramatic story possible of me getting uh, yeah. an Adam Cincerello jersey. <laughs> so that's cool. When I was a kid, we used to collect everybody's jerseys. So I have, you know, James Stewart when he was on an 85. I have Michael Lessie when he was on a 65. Oh, wow. Davey Millsaps when he was on an 85. Travis Pastrana when he was doing X Games on a 125 Suzuki. Uh, Ricky Carmichael when he was number four on a Cowie, Jeremy McGrath when he was number one on a Suzuki from Southwick, like Doug Henry, uh, Jason Anderson when he was on a 50, Eli Tomac when he was on a 50. Whoa. Like we have some really cool ones because what we would do is we would just, I grew up racing all of them. So as soon as we, it was like, oh, this guy's fast, like let's get his jersey because he's going to be something someday, <laughs> we would make sure we would get their jersey. So I'll have to, I'll have to find a picture to get to you, but yeah, we have some cool ones. Like we yeah. have a number 43 Tomac when he was on a Suzuki 65. We've got a bunch of bunch of really good ones. Dude. And I used to love that as a kid. When I get a jersey, I would always lose it. Yeah, it's so cool. Like that's so cool. Because nobody gets like you can't just get them. Like that's so anywho, my office is gonna look sick. <laughs> um but here's the other thing. Guess what? The day wasn't over for cameraman Cam. We uh, <laughs> we go main event, whatever. I like, okay, also, I locked the jersey in the, in the thing. What the frick's it called? The van? No, in the toolbox. <laughs> I locked it in the toolbox. Got it. So, also, didn't let it out of my sight when I flew home yesterday. But anywho, so here's the thing about you, Albert, giving me a jersey. 
One, I love that it says Atlanta 2023 16th place. That's super sick. Also, this is like a wicked cool jersey. Like, how cool is this jersey? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But here's the deal. Because podcast people, you need to hear this. <laughs> I openly give you crap about giving me a jersey. <laughs> I'm like, I want one from each season because like I keep all my wristbands and I keep my credentials and stuff. So I'm hanging the jerseys in the in the cases with all the rounds I was at, if that makes sense. Yeah. Because I had COVID wristbands the last couple of years. But like. I don't expect them. You know what I mean? Like I ask you for jerseys and all this stuff, but I don't actually expect to get them. So actually getting them is still just as cool. So like I'm on cloud nine with an Adam Cincerillo jersey. And then all of your, all of a sudden you're like, oh, like can't let Adam one up you and you have it all written out already. I was like, what? I thought for <laughs> sure I wasn't getting one this year. Like for sure I wasn't getting one. So anywho, I'm yeah, I'm stoked. Atlanta was speaking a, of which I just saw the sub to cam pants recently. They're floating around somewhere. Okay, great, great. So I do, I do still have those. Yeah, that was a good era. My intention is to give them to you when I remember That's, one of these that, days. That would be great. That was a good era. Um, but yeah, what a round. What a round. That's not a round. That I, so unexpected. All of that is so unexpected for me. Like Atlanta, I did like, I like who would have thought? Uh, yeah, we, but anywho, yeah. Thank you for the jersey. Thank you, Kenny Day. Yeah. Holy cow just wicked i'm i'm a geek about that stuff i mean i i'll i ordered two jersey cases while i was at the race they will be here hopefully this week and then uh the office is gonna the office is gonna look great so sweet um sweet all right yeah we can do some questions and then call it a day sound good if you guys want to send in your questions all you have to do is be inside of the app, go to club.themotoacademy.com and send cameraman Cam a direct message inside of our app with a vertical video. Well, I don't know why I say vertical every time, just send a video. Definitely doesn't have to be vertical, but please just send a video. Or if you're not inside of the app, you can leave a, a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and ask your question when you leave the five-star review. We'll answer those questions to the best of our ability as well. But if you really want to get your question answered, club.themotoacademy.com, said cameraman cam a video. Okay, hit me with it. Real GP right off the bat? Yeah, we got some, uh, we're gonna have some repeats here as far as people go, but here we go. Hey Albert, I was watching the Indy Supercross replay from last weekend and while I was watching the 450 LCQ, I noticed that the top six guys were all on Kawasaki's riding that KX450. And I've noticed over the years that watching uh, the group of guys that are usually racing the LCQs, you often see a lot of the same brand of bike. And so it brought the question to my mind, what makes all these guys pick the same bike? Uh, is it because one bike is better than another uh, as a stock platform from which to build a race bike? Is it a local dealer or manufacturer contingency support? Uh, best price for you know buying bikes out of their own pocket? Uh, really curious as to your insight on that and uh you know hearing about you know for example the yz450 this year is supposed to be an incredible bike why aren't they all on blue bikes and why are there so many kawasaki's for example in in that lcq curious to hear your thoughts on it thanks real gp great question he's really good at asking questions so yeah actually pretty simple answer there at least in the 450 class kawi Kawasaki has the best contingency program. So they pay the most 
if you're making the night show and they pay the most if you're making the main event. That was part of the reason at one point in my career that I was riding Cowie 450 because the contingency program was so good. I've noticed a trend of Honda 250s this year. All the fast privateer guys, it seems, are on Hondas. That I'm not so sure of because I think that Honda's paying contingency. I just figured out how to sign up for it, just realized that they were, but it's not that much. Like it's maybe 400 bucks if you make a main event or something. And it's nothing if you make the night show. The good thing about the Kawasaki contingency was all you had to do was make the top 40 and boom, you're guaranteed like four or five, 600 bucks, something like that. So for the guys that are doing it, paying out of their own pockets completely and need that money, that's huge for those guys. The reason you don't see more Yamaha 450s, the 23s, is because that platform was so new that I think people would have struggled to get their bikes in time and have testing on them, like Benny Bloss, for example, didn't ride his 23 until Anaheim won. He practiced on his 2022 preseason and then went and raced the 23, and now he's been practicing on the 23 since then, I think, but had no preparation on it. So that would be the reason for that. But yeah, contingency is typically a big reason Maybe that $400 from Honda contingency to make the main event is the reason they're all on the Honda as well, but that doesn't seem like a big enough incentive to me. Usually it would be the contingency money to make the top 40. So the guys who are making top 40 every single weekend, but not getting into the main event either ever or barely ever, or even just sometimes, they want that protection of being able to make that, that insurance policy of being able to make that extra bit of cash with the contingency. So that can change, but typically, yeah, typically like KTM, Husky, Gas Gas would, would offer really bad contingency programs that aren't even worth doing. Cowie's always had a good one. Uh, like I said, Honda's is okay. Suzuki, no idea. What are the other bike brands? Yamaha, no idea. But as far as I know, that's why. Yeah, because 450 privateers, you'd see a ton of them on Cowie's. 250 privateers, ton of them on Hondas. At least East Coast, ton of them on Hondas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. like, from last year to this year, it changed. Like, everyone, all the privateers were on Yamaha 250s, and now they're all on Hondas. All of them. Mm. Like, there's, yeah. I don't, it's a good bike. I was it's looking, and good bike. there are, like, no privateers on, in the 250 class on a Yamaha anymore. Really? And it's arguably the best bike. So yeah, it's which like, is, that's odd. Yeah, it's really odd. Not crazy. Yeah. But also, right. if you're paying out of your pocket, it makes sense. Thank you, Real GP, for, for uh, just carrying Moto Academy on your shoulders, and him and Premix Papa, still, yep. even, even though things are different now, even though these podcast episodes are ramping up, we still, I, we're not get we, we, uh, we gotta get, send questions, gosh darn it. Don't be afraid to ask questions. I think this happens at classes too. People are so afraid to ask a dumb question. And then they end up being surprised every time when I'm like, wow, that's a great question. They're like, oh, really? I thought that was stupid. I wasn't even going to ask it. Ask it. It doesn't have to be dirt bike related. It could be life related. It could be uh, working out, nutrition, relationship, mental game, cars, uh, planes, swimming advice. Um, you want fashion advice. Obviously, I could take care of that for you. You, got, you want... Uh, you know, what else do I do? That's about it. That's about it. Dog advice. Do you want dog advice? Boom. 
We got you. Me and Doug can help you out and answer that question for you. All right, next question. I'm ready for it. Okay, here we go. Cam, AJ, it's uh, Chris, King Friday from Oregon, Portland, Oregon. Uh, my question is about your riding facility. So most of the tracks around here have one track, and uh, I've been riding this place called Riverdale lately. They've got seven tracks. Really, there's four tracks that I can ride. Um, but I was wondering how many tracks you're thinking about having at your location, and do you think you're going to put in like a beginner, a vet, an intermediate track, or is it going to be outdoor and supercross only? Thanks. King Friday. Great question. Yeah, I think a big part of the concept of my facilities so far, I don't have one yet, are that they're going to be very they're going to they're going to be built so that you can progress through the ranks and skill levels. So therefore there has to be different skill level tracks that you can progress through. The tough part with that is it requires a ton of maintenance. It's a lot of upkeep to to try and keep up with more than one track, especially when you have three or four, or you just said seven, chances are they probably have no more than two to three of their tracks prepped at one given time. If they do, I don't know how they're doing it, but that becomes the difficulty there. I think it's important to have multiple if you can. And yes, that, that would be the plan. I, I really wanna create something where people can safely learn from 50s all the way up through and challenge themselves at different levels. Even once you get on big bikes, have different levels of tracks that you can challenge yourself on at a, at a facility. So yeah, good question, King Friday. Thanks for being an OG subscriber, by the way. Sweet. Hit me with the next one. Um, Boom, we're just let's do one flying more. through these. One more. Only one more? Yes. Okay. Um, oh, perfect. Hang on, this is perfect. Adam, yes. Your sixth place finish at Indy, confidence booster, full of good vibes. Yeah. Oh, hey, I got an idea. You should check out Cameraman Cam's channel. Yeah, from the Moto Academy. Aaron Plessinger's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I need to run. Great talking to you. All right, see you, bye. Premix Hotlines, Premix Papa. Cam, just talking about you with Adam. Yeah. Hey, quick question. What are the chances of you and AJ revisiting the idea of doing a race vlog of your race return this summer? What do you think? Premix Papa, thank you for reminding us of that. Yeah, the plan is I really want to get the whole team together for the Glen Helen 24-hour race. If that's Cam's, <laughs> that, could, that could be Cam's first race back. That would be an interesting one to do it. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That's for sure. Uh, if we don't do it there, I think we have to do it there. <laughs> the The thing is, though, that's September. So we, we, we could probably find some time in June or July to make that happen. I think mm -hmm. that would be fun. I think it'd be super relatable for Moto Academy to watch. I think it would be educational as well. You know, yeah, it, that'd be a good video. Uh, yeah, it, it really would. It really would. It would be on it. Okay. Real talk for a second. That may be the series that we need to do. Think with me here. I'm, I'm thinking that I'm not, I, this is not pre-planned. I'm realizing this right now. It's like we have every tutorial video known to man about how to do everything on a dirt bike, basically. 
the thing we're missing is like seeing it because here would be these would be my um, parameters if we were going to do it is I would need days with you. I would need a regimen from you because when I go to race, I'm racing B class, which okay. yeah, that makes sense. which I'm like kind. I don't have the speed for for sure. But I need people around me who are going to make B-class decisions and not C-class decisions, right? Mm -hmm. That would be a very interesting series. That'd be a really interesting series. I haven't raced in 10 years, right? And the spin on it could be, like, how to do it and how to do it safely. You know what I mean? That could be the... Yeah, and I think it would tie in nicely with... Have you watched the the Jet and... The masterclass that Jet did yet? No, not yet. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna watch it right so, after this. The feedback too. that I've gotten and from what it felt like recording it in person is it's really, really hands-on. It's like, it, it's tangible, I don't know. It's not like a tutorial where I don't, some people I think maybe struggle to learn that way, just listening to like me trying to explain to you how to do something. It was very much Jet and I having a conversation watching the footage on the computer, him rewinding it, pausing it, mm -hmm. talking, like answering really, really specific questions I was answering about situations and everything he was telling me, like some of it was surprising me. I couldn't believe some of the stuff he was saying. Really, really good conversation. And he was comfortable the whole time, which was the most important part. I think that that could be a really cool way to integrate like a curriculum and lesson plan. Mm -hmm into a video and still have the entertainment factor be high and the relatability factor be really high as well without it feeling like it's just a tutorial. I would be a, uh, maybe we should actually, I just, I don't know when the heck we would do it. You know what? Premix <laughs> Papa, keep sending in questions because there's a trend happening here. You know what that trend is, Cam? What's that? Uh, Premix Papa's our brainstorm igniter. <laughs> Every time he asks a question, we go down a rabbit hole of talking about ideas. So, Premix Papa, keep it coming. Hmm. I could tell he's a creative just by that haircut and those sunglasses and the way he sends these questions. And so, yes. thank you for helping us be creative. Hmm. Send in your questions, people, even if you think they're random or weird or different or silly or they don't make sense or they're stupid. Ask them anyway, because if nothing else, maybe it just leads to a thought that we didn't think of before. Yes. Which is always helpful here at the Moto Academy. Uh, okay, I'm, dude, just had sushi. Stomach's been going crazy this whole time. Definitely ate some bad sushi, number one. Number two, haven't gone to the beach yet today. I have to go to the beach. Number three, wicked thirsty, unbelievably thirsty. And four, I'm dehydrated and have been for the last couple of days, but my lips aren't chapped. Yeah. Wow. Lips aren't chapped and I'm dehydrated and everything and they're still feeling halfway okay, but can't take that risk. Got to go hydrate a little bit more. Uh, okay. Is that it? Hour and a half? We did it? Yeah. Well, I think Podcast. always an hour and a half now. <laughs> yeah. I'm shooting for an hour in case anybody was wondering. <laughs> hour and a half, guys. Let us know if you like it, if it's too long. Those of you still listening. The two people still listening, driver Jamie, shout out. You're the man. Thank you so much for offering to take the van to Sacramento and Salt Lake for this big trip. I know it's going to be a lot of driving. I promise it'll be worth it. I promise also that I will pay you in beer 
uh, who nice. else is listening at this point? Real GP, you're the man. Thank you for having dinner with us the other night. Uh, fire at will. Thinking about you, I saw your post about Ruby last night. Um, you are in Moto Academy's thoughts. So if you're listening this deep into the episode, fire at will. We're thinking about you um, because we're dog people here at the Moto Academy. And I did give Bear an extra hug last night before I went to bed. So, okay. Moto Academy podcast episode. Who freaking knows? We got to be getting close to 40. 37. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching club.themotoacademy.com. Go subscribe to the app. Okay. Toodaloo.